0: Sometimes the best way to understand our society and culture is to take a deep dive to find our peace of mind. I feel like some some minds, some people, have this capability, this almost power of work is their mental health. You know, I don't necessarily mean like, you know, like doing an office job or working as a cashier or waiter. What I mean is like doing something like sports, uh, building something, making something, sewing totally. something, cooking something. So. It's a lot of somethings.
1: <laughs> I completely agree. I mean, that's definitely how it is for me. It's like what keeps me sane and what keeps me like happy is creating things. And not like like I feel like there's this whole thing people are trying to be like oh like you know your your value as a human being is not measured by your production but I'm not talking about like things I make for other people I'm talking about creating and putting out the things that are in my brain and like it's not like anybody else is necessarily like sometimes people pay me for it but it doesn't really matter if they do or not it's not about that it's about like being able to actually bring the things the craziness that's inside of my brain out onto you know, onto a wall or onto a new piece of clothing I've created or a new, like, you know, like, sculpture I've made or whatever. And it's, like, just the act of doing that and getting there is, like, the kind of, like, the sanity and, like, the meditation that I need.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. I mean, I feel as human beings, we are – I fucking hate when a when a joint is harsh. Anyway, uh, we as humans are very um, intuitive. Some of us are more intuitive than others, meaning that we have this ability of, of thinking of something and being able to put it on a paper or a design, or and then make something out of it um call you know that's how the car was invented the plane electricity because honey i I ain't i ain't living without air conditioning okay get the (laughs) fuck out of (laughs) here screw that time period
1: (laughs) well like I, i mean most most like when i work on you know when i work with like directors or you know other people like uh clients on things that we need to create like we it's drawn it's drawn sometimes crudely on a napkin first. You have to draw it, you have to get the thing out there and kind of create something before you're able to like turn it into the thing that you actually want. Sorry about that. I don't know what's happening there. Okay. okay. Sorry, turn that off. <laughs> um,
0: so dumb. So dumb. But
1: yeah. But yeah, no, it's like we do have the ability to to bring stuff out. But it's like it's that process of working it's like that becomes like a meditation like when I'm really in the flow of creating something like that it's like the work like the work that I'm doing it's not again it's not necessarily like a job a job and work are different I think your your work your personal work is not the same thing as like the job that you go to necessarily you're lucky if you are and sometimes it is but it doesn't necessarily have to be the same thing and like when you're in that flow that like flow of of creating your work it's like that's like the way that we're able to kind of keep ourselves content
0: <laughs> at least for me <laughs> <laughs> I, you know we, we live we live in such an interesting time and i mean that sincerely i mean there are people that are the weirdest motherfuckers you'll ever meet and to me i don't you know a lot of people listening to this and like oh my god here we go again with dave's rants but i'm like i love weird people the reason why i love weird people is there's so much like to explore it's like oh what's that oh that's so cool like like where'd you get your shirt from you know what i mean like there's yeah this is not the point of the topic of this episode <laughs> but i mean, <laughs> Weird people are awesome. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I guess that's 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 the trend.
1: It's true. I think weird is just when it's not understood by most, like you know, most of society. You know, it's. I feel like weird is just is it like a, weird is like a label that we put on things when it's not something that is easily digestible.
0: Today's podcast is sponsored by Authority Car Mods, a mod shop which I personally use for all my car needs, from my custom modifications to my vehicle general maintenance, tire repair, and discount pricing. These guys do great work. And their prices are literally killing the competition. Located here in South Florida in West Coral Springs, right off the Sample Road exit, not only are they super accessible, but open late nights with appointments. So don't wait. Follow them on Instagram at authority underscore car underscore mods, or call their office line, which is 954-798-1602. And book your spot now. It's sort of something outside the box. I mean, I was I was talking with my mom earlier. Because um, you saw pictures. I, I, I did a... Uh, today, I, I went through a meditation of building a desk for the past 13 hours yeah. out of wood. <laughs> and um, I painted the desk yellow and pink. Okay? Now, I'm one of those people. I love vibrant colors. And... There are sometimes things that you want that don't exist. Yeah. Because like,
1: Often. Usually <laughs> it's my life. I'm going to make it. I got to make them exist. <laughs>
0: Pretty much. Yeah. Like I literally had that with my desk and I was like, oh God. Yeah. I was like, I, I, I guess I just have to, you're right. You just, you have to make it.
1: Yeah. That's why I make clothes. That's why I write stories. That's why I paint murals. It's why I do all the things that I do. I create the things that I want to see in the world that I don't think are there already, that I think the world needs, or that I, at least I need for the world. So I create the things that I see in my head, and I usually don't see them outside. <laughs> like they might be influenced by something, but to me, it's like you know, it's not. It's not like it's it's borrowed or it's based on something else. It's based on whatever bullshit my brain is feeding me at three in the morning when I can't sleep.
0: It's always it's always three a.m. in the morning. You know, it's like we always think that's like the atypical bit from a comic, right, is, you know, I'm it's 3 a.m. in the morning and there's a bunch of old ass, you know, hookers. I don't know, fucking Russian hookers, you know, right out my door. Like, I don't know, just some kind of shit like that. You know what it is. You know the drill. Yes. And it gets so old, but like we're normal people, and like when it happens, like we have shit, weird shit that happens at three a.m. in the morning. We don't want to express it to others because we're like, they're going to judge us. I <laughs> mean, think be- for
1: yourself. Most of my best stories are things that happen at three in the morning. <laughs> like <sighs> I, but I, I also grew up raised by outliers, and I've been an outlier, like been in sort of like non, non-normal, quote unquote, like. I like, um, I, I, nothing about my upbringing or my existence as an adult has been normal, quote unquote, like, you know, from, uh, like organizing direct actions to biking across the country by myself with no map just for, cause I wanted to like with, you know, $800 in my pocket and nothing else. <laughs> like, you know, to like now the shit that I do, it's like, it's not, it's not, I don't think, I don't care if people judge me. It doesn't really have any interest in, it. like, not, I, to people. I, meant that,
0: yeah. I, I meant that, like, sarcastically, oh, yeah. you know, like, just, like, one of those, like, great pitches, because, you know, I'm, like, one of those people that, like, I just fucking need attention, and, you know, you <laughs> just gotta, like, throw in their sarcasm, kind of like Chandler from Friends, you know, it's like, uh, you know, and you're just, like... Yeah, I'm 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 one of those unfortunate cases. But with that being said, I do um I do have the you know this belief of self you know sustainability, meaning where yes. you have to live your life by your rules.
1: Yes, I think that's when we're happiest. But you know, obviously, it there's a balance because I think it's like your rules, but then like, what if your rules are like, you know, this is something that people pose to me every time I talk about things like this, where it's like, well, what about people who are serial killers? Like, should they live by their rules too? And it's like, well, I think there is a middle ground. I think you have to be like, do what you want to do, live your truth. But if your truth, as soon as your truth like infringes on the personal safety or freedoms of another human being, then it's no longer your truth. It's something that you're pu- you're, you're pushing off onto somebody else. But as long as you're living your truth and it's just purely like, you know, and it's something that's, that's fulfilling you. And I don't mean like offending, you know, Christians by being gay or something, but I mean like literally harming other people, like not offending somebody, but like actually hurting other people. That's like what I think, or hurting other, hurting things like... <sighs> Causing undue destru- destruction is, I think, maybe a barrier that we should put on it in terms of living our I, truth.
0: I think, uh, I think a great example would be if you would say to someone what, you know, like a place like Marine World has done to whales and dolphins. Oh, yeah, it's terrible. It's horrible. I mean, these are highly intelligent mammals that... They are us in the ocean. That's what they are. They're humans in the ocean. And yeah. they're being treated cruelly. And if you have a person that responds and says, no, I don't think it's cruel. You know, it, that's not self-sustainability. That's, you know, either someone telling you a realization like, this is wrong. And they're like, no, it's not. You immediately know there must be, I mean, come on, they, you know, mentally there, there's something missing there that they.
1: Or emotionally. Cause it's, it's yeah. like, well, I mean, but that, and that's something just to be said with like, whether or not we are like socialized to consider animals, like on an equal basis, like on an equal footing as ourselves, like me personally, like I've been, you know, vegetarian or vegan with the exception of one period when I was like turned 30 and my body chemistry changed and I was just like, oh no, I need to eat meat. But I've been vegetarian or vegan since I was 17. I'm, I'll be 36 later this month. And like I do, I do see animals as equals and I do see the harm that we do to animals like in factory farming. I don't think it's just limited to like animals that are super smart. Like I keep rats. I've kept rats for like 16 years and like different rats. They don't live that long. <laughs> but like, you know, I have three right now. And to me, rats are also little people. They they have personalities like people. They can be funny like people. They have social hierarchies like people. They have like they get depressed or they get happy or they get into weird moods where they just want to wreak havoc at three in the morning again. And you know, and like like they have they have emotional connectiv- connectivity to each other and to their humans. Like if you have rats and they're very bonded to each other and one of them dies, the other one can literally die of depression because the one has died. Like they are very emotionally intelligent animals. And yet they are animals that have been seen you know, have been kind of swept under the rug as like the most, you know, the majority of the world wants to eliminate them. That's why I use them in my art. I paint a lot of rats <laughs> and I use a lot of rats in my insulation art. Because I think that like, you know, rats to me are just these beautiful things that we overlook because our society stigmatizes them. And I think it's a representation of how we see people where it's like we've decided or not we, not us, you and me, but like because <laughs> we are weirdos. But like it, the like society as a whole has really like decided and it's not even a society. It, it gets so much deeper, but it's like what is okay and what is not okay what is like a socially viable animal versus not a socially viable animal why is it okay to like you know eat a cow or a chicken but it's not okay to like eat a horse or a dog like how have we created these arbitrary distinctions
0: okay so you have to also understand this idea of evolution where certain animals have evolved in this process of living and dying living and dying For example um it it, there is statistics on this showing that if cows if we we stopped killing cows right now we stopped killing all cows we would have a cow crisis in a matter of months there'd be too many cows way too many cows it would just destroy the entire ecosystem it would just raise havoc so we we still have to bound by the rules of how evolution works however We do also have to understand this idea of morals and ethics, which is where treat the animal well and give them a quick, painless death. You know, if you care and and you really, like, genuinely love the earth and love animals, you can abide by those two things. Yeah. I don't see any problem with it.
1: Well, I mean, I I think that that's absolutely something that we should aim for. But at the same time, like, it's very hard to create that in our, in the world that we inhabit. Because unless you see it, unless you know the farm that you're getting it from, it's very hard to ensure that it's actually being treated well. True. Like, you can say that you believe that, and then you can go out and get a cheeseburger from a fast food place, and it doesn't mean that you're supporting what you believe. I it,
0: it, None of us are perfect. I mean, I eat at fast food <laughs> places. You know, I'm not – I'm nowhere, no one here to um, to be innocent in any shape or manner. But all I'm saying is, is that the whole idea of being a meaningful society you – know, forget about, the, you know, the climate change – change of cultures the change of morals the change of of system works just focus on what matters the most which more than anything else matters is yourself is the understanding of you know you got to take care of yourself your family your friends or whatever and create That sustainability from from oneself because remember, if you have one person that does something and somebody else follows, and another person follows, and another person follows, you know you don't realize sometimes you can create chain reactions without even thinking about it.
1: Yeah, definitely, that's the goal, (laughs) right? (laughs) That's the goal is to influence other people and to kind of like influence other people in positive direction. My goal. At least, like, I think, you know, I think that, like, if we do have sway or a platform or a voice in any way, it's like, you know, utilize it to do good and to try to make the world a little bit better than when you found it. I had a friend, um, I still, she's still my friend, but, like, uh, I went to visit her. Her mom runs, like, a sort of, I guess, Montessori esque, but not with the title kind of preschool in Austin, Texas. or just outside of Austin. Texas. Wait, 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 wait. What, what,
0: what kind of preschool?
1: Like Montessori esque, like, like that kind of philosophy, Montessori.
0: Not, not familiar.
1: It's a, it's like one of the more popular, like, um, uh, I guess you would call it like a, like, are you familiar with Waldorf? Okay. So those are, they're both things that are kind of more, they take apart. Uh, I mean, it's probably the kind of stuff if we can afford it, where ultimately my partner and I will send kids that don't exist yet. (laughs) Um, when we're that at that point, because they are things that really, that teach kids things that are outside of the box and outside of the normative way of learning. Um, I was a public school kid for sure. And it was really glad, I'm really glad that I was, but at the same time, and I wouldn't not put kids in public school. I think that's great because you end up getting exposed to things that you would never get exposed to if you were in a sort of private school. But at the same time, the the kind of care that you get and the kind of the way that you are exposed to, like understanding how you learn as a different kind of person, like like and catering to your desire to learn, like letting allowing students to look into the things that they study and like understand how the role that they play in society and the classroom and the world around them getting kids to think early on, basically instead of trying to just have them graduate and then go into a school, you know, fit fit into a box. So
0: anyway, yeah, I mean, I, I, um,
1: but they're standardized though. They're still standardized. They have standardized tests and everything. They're still technically part of the same like school, like, you know, whatever uh, city you're in. uh,
0: When we're talking about this, this type of school system, um, what, what kind of curriculum are we looking at? I mean, is it very similar to a public school where, you know, you have your your classes throughout the day and your breaks and your lunch? Um, what, 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 I can't
1: what, speak on it that much because I don't know that much about it. And that wasn't why I brought it up. But um, I, there's you, there's a lot of uh, literature that I can share later. I can, you know, I can post we can post on the site or whatever about it. But I. Um, I've known kids who've come from there and and parents who send their kids to these schools, but they're just generally like, they used to be considered kind of like the hippie schools or whatever, but like, but they're also, unfortunately they're kind of expensive, but like, what do you spend your money on? I don't know. Like, what does one spend their money on? Like, I think it's more important to have to be exposed to really interesting and dynamic things than it is to have like a super fancy house or a fancy car. You know, like so. Like, I don't know. I don't know. It's my it's my uh, opinion on in terms of money is like I'd rather have like all repurposed or found things or whatever, and then like have the cool the experiences that are important. Um, but my point is. So she had, like, this this like a, this like preschool that was kind of in a similar, like, philosophy of thought to those. And it was, like, it was kids that were, like, three to five or, like, two to five or something. That's like, a daycare for a part of it, too. And one of the biggest things that they did was they had kids. Um, it wasn't like, oh, you have to do this and have to do this. But it was, like, leave each room a little better than when you found it. So, and that's kind of, I think that's kind of, that stayed with me. And that's something that I take with me in life in general, where it's like, leave each thing that you exit a little better than you found it. So like, how can you utilize like your skills? How can you make each thing better? How can you make make each conversation better? How can you make each person you're talking to feel a little better about themselves or their lives? How can you empower them? How can you make the room a little more beautiful? How can you leave the environment like slightly better. And I kind of try to do that. And it it doesn't always work, obviously, because sometimes there's like interpersonal conflicts and stuff and things just, you know, thing life is life. But that's a philosophy that I take with me. And I think it's really cool to teach kids that from the beginning, because they're always like, oh, well, what can I clean here? What can I, you know, what can I like, you know, adjust so that it looks better? How can I make this slightly better than I found it? Not like clean the entire thing, but if each person does their job, that's kind of the, that's kind of the concept where it's like, if we're all part of this community and we're all doing this together, then we each are playing a role to make it better. And what is the role each one of us are playing? What can we each of us do as individuals to make it better?
0: I don't know. I, I have a very interesting, uh, I have a very interesting view on all of this because for I mean, perfe- personally for me, I've never really experienced what it was to be in a normal school. Um, I do feel education is very important. I just, I don't really know what would be the right structure. I, I just, I just can't process it in my head because I've never experienced it before.
1: I went to four different elementary schools and then I went to high school for a normal four years. Uh, and that was all public school except for one year that we, I did private when I was like in kindergarten to part of first grade or sorry, part of kindergarten to first grade. But my family was very crazy. Like it was just very unstable. So like they were constantly trying to like do different things, try different options of things. And so I got a taste of a lot of different shit, but I think public schools are great because they, they expose you to a lot of the way the world really is and it's not sugarcoated and you don't have like, and it's, it's much more reflective of a lot of the dynamics and a lot of the people that you're going to meet in life. (laughs) But like, I think that like what's cool is like something like Montessori that has like a little bit less of like a traditional learning structure where the kids have more, um, say in what they're doing. I think, you know, I think about it and it's like, I remember somebody saying like, when Billie Eilish was getting really big, I remember something like, uh, like just imagine what could what like w- w- when you have like family support and connections this is what you can do when you're 17 years old like imagine what you could accomplish if you ha- like what all these other kids really like these brilliant kids could have done if they had the same resources and it's true it's like you know i think when you have resources that allow you to kind of go over a lot of the struggle phases like as long as you have people keeping you in check and allowing you to know what's really happening in the world, does everybody need to struggle as much as this generation? I don't know. <laughs> like, I've gone through a lot of shit I wouldn't necessarily want other people to go through. Yeah.
0: It's not always by choice, though. I mean, unfortunately, as many as much as we try to plan, you know, we love to make plans. That's, that's what we do when we're bored as adults. You know, children don't know this. We... We plan Uh, half the time. We can't afford half the shit because we don't have the money. The other half the time, we're just, you know, too lazy and we're like, ah, and the other time it's like, you know, you're like, ah, you just go with it, even though you're like, you're not into it. Um, but I do feel like all in all, it's all about trying to find an equal balance and an equal choice. Because there really is no, there's no perfect solution and there's no perfect answer. If that makes any sense.
1: Well, like if you have the ability to, and I'm saying this as somebody who doesn't have money, like have the money to do this at the moment, if I were to suddenly have it child that I had to put through like a Montessori school This is a public school. But if I, you know, it's, it's not something that's in, me, in my wheelhouse, but it's like, if I wanted a kid to have a certain kind of education, cause I think it would allow them to uh, leap over a lot of the things that I learned the hard way. Um, you know, being a poor kid from, in, you know, in, be, with my whole background. So, like if I had the ability to have some, to educate somebody on what that was like, but also like like, be able to save them from a lot of that difficulty. I would want to save them from a lot of that difficulty. I don't think people, I think there is a different, obviously you can't, you can't stop people from like, people are going to find, there's going to be things that people struggle about regardless. And money is a big barrier and a lot of other things are big barriers. But I also think that if you have the ability to like, you know, make somebody's life again, if you have the ability to leave a room better than when you found it, wouldn't you?
0: Depends. I mean, for me personally, I've... Um, I've made poor choices. I knew it at the time, and I did it anyway. So... <laughs> yeah, I was a little devil. But... I don't know. I You know... It, kind of talking on this, one... One thing that puzzles me more than anything is a lot of, I've I've spoken to quite a few parents and their kids just going through, they call it the phase. Like, you know, we had our phase, your, you know, your generation had your phase. It was the phase, you know, you turn 15, it's the phase. I don't know, They. I don't know any other way of fucking explaining it. It's just the phase. what does that
1: mean what is is like the phase of like where you're like rebellious and wild
0: so the it's interesting i think the phase is like kind of like play-doh it's like different teenagers take different colors and they just mix them together and it just makes different reactions because remember the whole thing of like when you're a teenager is you're going through all these chemical changes in your body and your mind's changing. Your body's changing. There's all this movement and friction. So it's like there's kind of a mix that's going on. Um, and the interesting thing about the phases is that that's not the only time in your life that happens. You know, our bodies are constantly changing. Yes. And I
1: know. That's why I was saying why well, I had to eat meat for a period when I turned 30 because my body was like craving it. And then I went back to vegetarian, but there was a chunk of time, small chunk of time where I did actually eat meat. It's weird, <laughs> but it's just your body changes. You know, I'm a femme person and like, you know, like a assigned female at birth human being. And like, so that my body's going to do those things um, like, and it did those things and it was like, Hey, I need more protein than you've been giving me for like 14 years. So I, I did give it more protein for a while and then it leveled out again. Mm-hmm. So yeah, our body changes a lot, for sure. But I don't know. I think there's a lot of other factors at play, too, though, in that kind of stuff. Like, I don't know. Like, when I was 15, I was a year away from starting in a band that I'd be in for the next 12 years playing shows illegally, like when I was way underage and stuff, and you know, being kind of in the underground, like, like, like punk and goth and metal and, and, uh, kink and BDSM and like all that trucking, like that whole Chicago underbelly that, that doesn't really exist anymore, at least not in the same capacity. I didn't feel like a teenager like I none of my friends were teenagers I didn't feel like I was in a rebellious phase or whatever I feel like I was exactly that person that like the I feel like I was then who I am now I'm just more confident now I'm have my shit together more and I'm also like 20 years older but but like I don't really feel like I was a very different person I feel like that was who I was going to be and I, I had known it since I was younger than that even I wouldn't say it was a phase it was like it was more just, I grew up very fast, and by the time I was that age, as a teenager, like What, I'm saying, minor, I was, what know, I'm
0: saying is, is like the parents, parents saying like the parents view, I know as a teenager, you know, it's not a face for us, it's just we're developing, developing into the people that we want to be, but to our parents, they, they see it as a face because through their eyes, they're seeing their child in a way, kind of going through the emotions uh you know the depression the anger the anxiety um it it's all of it but like i feel like we we know what's going on we just don't know how to explain it and then as we get older like you're saying like 20 years like yeah like you fully got a grasp on it like the thing is i've been out of the closet for what six years and i'll be honest with you like i'm i'm almost there like i i think i like got to a certain point but you know you're, you're still learning new new things of how your body works and how do your body reacts and
1: well you're always learning that too like you're you never stop learning about who you yeah. are yeah never stop figuring out who you are it's not something that like there's no point where you're like i'm done <laughs> and then like you know you're good for the rest of your life it's like People are, and I think this is something where, like, you know, you and I are both very tied to, like, the Burning Man community, me directly, and you through your brother that I also know, and, like, and like his whole community and stuff, and, and, like, I think that's a community, say what you will, people who are listening about that scene, but, like, that is a community that is very open to people continually changing and understanding okay. that change is part of life.
0: Let's explain something to anyone that's listening. Burning Man was founded by 3 people. They all went to Woodstock in 69. And Woodstock 69 is the one of the only festivals that we know of in 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 our current in our current state where there was 500,000 people and no one was shot, murdered. Yeah, there was a few people that died, but they were sick and whatever, but there was just peace for three days and then you had these three people that they were like you know what why don't we make like a festival out of it no and no that's not
1: what happened that's not what happened
0: that's uh, not what that's happened not,
1: that's not what happened not at all no it was never intended to be a festival I so it was Larry Harvey and a couple of his friends and they were all part of different political performance art groups in San Francisco and Bay Area and this is during the Reagan area so' it was 1986 August of 1986 is when burning man first started on Baker's beach in, uh, just outside of San Francisco. And I know this, it's literally a month before I was born, like to the day, almost a month before I was born. Uh, so 1986, they're all kind of like, like really over, like, you know, the, the way, the, the way the country is running, they were all in a group that I keep forget I, I want to say it's like a coffee in a society or something like that, but it was like this political performance art group. They did a lot of stuff in like their area. And it was very like radical political stuff, but also fun and whimsical and playful in that very kind of San Francisco hippie, a la nineteen seventies and eighties way. And so they had. It's, yeah, it's so funny. He,
0: San Francisco well, so he hasn't.
1: Created.
0: Yeah, I mean, like San Francisco hasn't been. People forget San Francisco is we know of today only happened because of the Reagan administration.
1: Yeah, and. but also there's a lot of pockets of the stuff that existed then if you get into the more like immersive theater communities and other kind of like weird underbellies of San Francisco, there's a lot of stuff that really feels like old school, like oh, what I imagine old school San Francisco felt like. But so they decided they were all like over it and they were like over the government. They're so they decided to, they, they had like a party on the beach a bonfire a red psychedelics. Cause they were all like, you know, they're all psychonauts and hippies and like weirdo radicals. And they had a man. It was like a joke, like damn, you know, like the man, like damn the man, whatever. they had this little effigy of a man and it was like a very tongue in cheek joke. And they decided to burn him. And then afterwards they're like, wow, this is such an amazing experience. Let's do it again next year. So they did this for many years, like several years and eventually got too big for Baker's beach. And then they were like, well, we should really change our location of doing it. So then that's when they, they like searched and searched, And that's when they found like black rock, Nevada. And that was like in the like early to mid nineties. So that went on for several years as well. Until at one point they had an effigy of wall street and, um, like and it, it, the fire was just so big and unre- this is before they ticketed or anything. They had no, cause there was no interest in being a festival in the first place. They just wanted to have this fucking crazy anarchist, like, like a little bit of like an anarchist Yahoo kind of like insanity. Like I knew people who used to go back like 20, 25 years ago, and it's like, it was a completely different thing and it was lawless and it was literally, it was like really this like almost more punk rock spirit than it was like this hippie piece of love, love and light kind of LED light bullshit. Like, not that I don't love some parts of that, but it's a very different thing than it was originally. And like, so basically after like this effigy of Wall, Wall Street um, almost killed a bunch of people and killed like some of the, the organizers, they were like, well shit, now we have to like figure this out. Because either this can't get any bigger Um, unless we have regulations on it. And so some of their core members dropped out. The rest of them developed a board, which is the board, which is Burning Man organization, which is the board of directors that actually runs a nonprofit organization that is the Burning Man entity that organizes the uh, festival, quote unquote. So that, and that has been around for, at this point, probably about 20 years. Um, And actually longer, probably like 25 years, 25, 27 years. And so that has been, inside. and so then it was like, they started doing ticketing and with doing that they created a little level of liability of people entering the gates that if anything happened to them it was on, it was on them because burning man is actually an extremely dangerous thing to do like like i've almost died of burning man a lot of people i know have almost died of burning man some people do die of burning man and like because you're you're creating this temporary art city it literally doesn't exist for any reason other than just because people want it to exist and so with that it's not regulated in the same way that a, like a normal structure would be regulated and people are not necessarily in their right minds when they're doing like climbing it or experiencing it or whatever. So this casualties. reminds
0: me, this reminds me of, uh, of like Tron in many ways. Never saw Tron. You've never seen, Tron. okay. So no. Tron is the story of a computer program, a game that you have to play by its rules in the, in their realm. And it's very tricky know it it will mess with you but it's kind of interesting of how the human and the computer kind of work together um tron came out i think about like 35 years ago
1: about the Um, same era some of the best art comes out of the periods where there's the most political repression (laughs) so you know what i mean like sometimes like art is an act of rebellion at its core. And so, like, you have some of the best work that comes out when there's the most dissent. Like, so a lot of things that happened during Reagan era was really, you know, if it wasn't being repressed, it was actually really wonderful and dynamic. The we, whole shouldn't even era, mention,
0: we, we shouldn't even mention the bushes.
1: Yeah, I don't know where, like, emo shit came from during the bushes. I'm really embarrassed about that. <laughs> it's weird. Like, I see on, on, like, TikTok and stuff and people are doing all these, like, throwbacks like, early 2000s like scene culture and I'm just like I hated it then I hate it now (laughs) it was bad then it's bad now like (laughs) like fallout boy and like all that kind of stuff like I don't even know if you had to experience any of that I had to experience that firsthand but I wasn't I was listening to like
0: remember I was born I was born the last year of the 20th century and because I was born 99 I started my teens in the 10s. Yeah. So I was a kid true. throughout the two thousand. So like, girl, I, I remember like Nickelodeon. I remember when I remember when Cartoon Network was dirty. Okay. Yeah. It, Ed, I, really, Eddie, I know. Yeah. Beavis and Butthead. I mean.
1: <sighs> Did you remember when MTV used to have music on? Or were you too young for that? I
0: wasn't allowed to watch MTV.
1: So I was raised by people who were. I mean, technically Boomer era, but I said they had the attitude more of Gen Xers. So, like, I would I would watch, like, I would watch, like, Prodigy and Nine Inch Nails music videos with my mom. And I would be, like, eight, nine years old watching these things. And so that was my exposure. I loved that shit. I absolutely loved it. And it was like, oh, I want to be whatever this thing is that I'm watching right now. It's very cool. But, yeah, so close at the Burning Man thing, though. Once it got regulated, that's kind of more the thing that we're able to recognize now. But it was unregulated for a really long time. It just eventually got too big and too dangerous. And there were too many variables and too many different kinds of people that were going. And so now it's become, I mean, it's so great. I didn't go this year, but a lot of my friends did. And like, you know, I'll go again next year. I'm going with a sculpture. I'm like, um, but it's like, this would have been my eighth year. But it's like, it's definitely now a festival. It wasn't. And it wasn't designed and created with the intention to be a festival. It was designed with the intention of having this kind of cathartic little bonfire with I'll, a man t- effigy I'll, on I'll, I'll the tell
0: beach. You, I'll, I'll tell you something. I, I've, I've said this before. Hippies do exist. Today we do have hippies, but we we are not like the ones that came before. We did become Republicans And become crazy conservatives and hating on gays um we this generation have kind of changed and morphed and adapted Uh, i think it's the same thing to say with festivals to begin with i you know i yes it has changed but i think it's changed because of the the generation of the people that have taken over Um,
1: yeah absolutely absolutely well and the founder original founder died a few years ago larry harvey Damn. They had an effigy for, to him in the temple. It was, it was beautiful. I did not see that. There was like a whole performance about it too. I didn't catch the performance, but I saw the thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, like as time changes, like the whole culture changes. And I feel like, you know, there's a whole, <laughs> a whole thing where it's like hippies and punks have more in common than they think. But like I would consider myself more on the punk end than the hippie end. But like I also... Like, I think at the core, it believes in the same thing. Like, it's all about, like, you know, freedom from capitalism and loving yourself and loving each other and choosing love over, like, oppression. And I think that one tends more towards, like, the joy of the world and one tends more towards the rebellion of the world. But at the core, they're they're saying the same thing.
0: That's what I'm saying about hippies today. I think we are both. I think today for example like you know i consider myself a hippie but girl i love some hard rock i love some you know heavy metal i like some trash metal you like you know i i like certain genres and certain like and i i have like i have that like you know like outfit and like attire um it, again, I think it's just all about adaptability. I think it's also about the fact that we today can be multiple things. And and not some feel of us DJ. don't like
1: to define ourselves by a culture or a subculture. I don't we like, don't like to think to. of myself as just one thing. And yeah, you know, you don't have to. You can be whatever you are.
0: You could be fucking rainbow shit.
1: I'm, an, I'm a visual artist. Or I'm an artist. I'm an immersive artist and a writer. Like, that's what I am. And I can dive into any world that i want to dive into and experience it and interact with it because i am not doing it and i'm never going into it with the agenda of like this is bad or i want to take i want to i want to conquer this or i want to like you know stop this i'm always just like i want to know i want to know more even if i'm like not into it i'm like i want to know more i'm curious and i don't i think approaching the world with curiosity is key
0: I think the world is curiosity. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I um, <clears throat> I like to. I like to be adventurous. You know, I'm the kind of person that I will sometimes take little, little, you know, little bold steps. Okay, I won't do much, or right? don't judge me. All right, like I have enough I got to deal with, but. It's really, it's really nice. I think sometimes I like having a different experience, and I give you great examples. Like you know, I've tried different cuisines and gone to different places I haven't gone before. I didn't tell you this. I went to a nude beach. Oh, cool! Um, oh, it was amazing.
1: Do world naked bike ride with us next year?
0: I don't know. I don't. I I don't know if I can afford to come out to LA.
1: Yeah, I know. I understand. There's cr- probably one in
0: Florida. I hope Grandma and Grandpa's beware. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a great thing. I've done it for twelve years. I'm the, I'm on the board of directors out here. Weirdly enough,
0: <laughs> you're one of the board of directors
1: for the World Naked Bike Ride. Yes.
0: Yes. What do you it's do a as a thing, board of a director?
1: Honestly, I just I, I do my I body paint. But you 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 agree on the like the route? Like you talk about the route. You talk about like oh are people bringing speakers or pre- it's it's about it's organizing it's organizing the event it's, it's event organizing basically how many you're people? one of the people that are involved in the the thing itself for the board
0: mm-hmm. which the whole in way, the, in the, like cyclists uh, how many cyclists do you have
1: la only has like it has like three to five hundred usually like um four hundred is a good sweet spot for la um chicago used to have like two to three thousand and that's what I did for, I did that one for like eight years. Um, I don't know. I think, I feel like LA's scene for it is very different. It's an older crowd that organizes it mostly, aside from me um, and like a couple of others who are like uh, on the younger, you know, like under 40 side. But there's like, it's more of like the naturalists and like nudists and like it's more that kind of community that's organizing. And there's an aspect of political, of politics to it as well, and like, uh, like you know, um, the aspect of like rebellion to it as well. But it's more something that's about like body positivity and like, you know, body freedom and not being like, not things, things not being like sexualized or demonized by society trying to limit it. Whereas in Chicago, it was much more about like, it was much more of like a revolt. It was much more of a radical act in Chicago. Chicago is also just like an angry political city.
0: <laughs> but like
1: in Chicago, it's much yeah. Yeah uh, yeah it's
0: a it's a good thing. It's funny it's funny because every 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 television show that's in Chicago is either about poor girl gets dumped, or you know some snooty cop that's pulled too many bullets, you know, it has got pop, 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 pop.
1: I would honestly say, like, as somebody who's like born and raised there, I feel like there's not very many shows that actually accurately depict it. I feel like The Bear is probably a re- is a really close one about just the diversity of Chicago, but also like like I have I've had lots of friends and like loved ones who've worked in kitchens. But if you look outside of that, just like what they're representing in the show, uh, Shameless has elements of truth, except there's no neighborhood that is that kind of culture and also entirely. Like homogeneously white, the way that that show is, which is where they fuck it up. But like, there's not a lot of Chicago is not really like a lot of people who write for Chicago are like suburban kids who made it out to LA and like decided to represent Chicago.
0: Yeah, but think about it. Most, most like you know, we're talking about like these '90s shows. A lot of these sitcoms, they weren't like accurate. Like, think about even like Friends. Okay, Monica, like friends. And, yeah. Monica and Joey and Chandler's apartments.
1: I never watched Friends really. I've seen a few episodes though, but I don't know much about it.
0: But what I'm trying to say is is like a lot of these shows are not accurate because they're just they're picking a setting and they're basing the whole story around it. Like they don't really care about like the rules and structures of New York. They just want the show to be set in New York.
1: Right, of course. Well, that's why sitcoms are garbage most of them yeah (laughs) i mean i don't you know i wouldn't expect the sitcom to be an accurate representation of anything because it's just meant to be purely entertainment not necessarily to get you thinking but like i think a lot of more modern shows are trying to actually represent different cultures from things and that's cool that's a whole other conversation though about tv wow
0: we can have conversations about television, sushi, you know, um, calamari. Calamari sounds nice about this time. You know, get a little lobster in there, little crab legs. I'm sorry, I love I love shellfish. I love it. any anything in a shell I'll eat it.
1: I do eat fish now. I'm, I'm more of a pescatarian than a vegetarian the last couple of years. Again, just your body changes, but like, so yes, I can relate. I, I can relate. Fish is delicious.
0: Yeah, but shellfish, I mean, it's, see, like, th- this is another like really important thing where there are times where we can do things to eat healthier. Um, and it's like so simple, you know, like you don't have to make it complicated. Like you could always like just buy like a bag of frozen shrimp.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: And make a rice in a rice cooker and then cook the shrimp and then just you got a meal.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's and really my, like.
1: I'm a big fan of a, a, there's one, there's a Ralph's downtown that does, that makes fresh, they have like a guy who makes fresh sushi in front of, but it's like the same prices as the Ralph's sushi and it's great. So that's like what we'll do for fish. <laughs> we'll just like go on a sushi date to Ralph's and eat in the park.
0: <laughs> <That's cute. laughs> well, it sounds better than my version of a date. My version of a date is you got a jamba juice and you're like, okay, so your total is six fifty five and mine's four fifty six and he's like, whoa, 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 though so we're on a date and I'm like, whoa, 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 your ass, like I ain't paying for you. You pay your six six fifty five, I'll pay my three twenty three. <laughs> Buckle! <laughs> I'm like now, but I, I totally yeah, I totally I totally get, I I do some kind like stuff like that. Like I have this thing where I love I, I crave Chinese, and I go to Trader Joe's and I get the orange chicken and the fried rice, and I have Chinese.
1: Yeah, totally. I like to make most. I okay. I I am lying. I used to love to make everything from scratch but now I work well, not even now, but in the last several years, I work in production and it's really hard to cook everything from scratch because you just don't have time or energy. And like, it's, it's not as, it's not as fun anymore. I used to love like literally just like making every single element of something from scratch and then like doing things that were like longer term things too. Like, you know, like, like harvesting spices and herbs and things like that and (laughs) brewing kombucha and sometimes making sauerkraut, but like, now it's just like i don't know i'll try to do that but it's hard it's not as it's not as um there's always something else that i feel like i should be doing when i'm doing stuff like that
0: now i I think also people have to kind of remember to take things like in levels kind of imagine an escalator i remember somebody once told me this a long time ago imagine it's like an escalator and you're going up the escalator okay And that's the direction you're going. You chose to go up that escalator, right? Okay, so it's taking you where you want to go. Yes. You know, you, you made that choice. So you're just taking the necessary steps to get there. I, I, I get it. Escalator is a terrible example because it just goes up and down. It's like, what the fuck do? Who cares? You just go to the one that goes down. I get that. I do. I do. I do. I, do. Saying,
1: I think what you're saying is you can't always do everything forever. And if you take a choice to make a choice to do one thing and elevate a certain part of your life, you kind of can't hold on to a lot of some of the other things you might have loved before.
0: No. Because how else are you supposed to get up there? You have to take the escalator. You can't. Why, you're gonna you're gonna take the stairs, If you take the stairs you're gonna have to go all the way to the back and then go all the way up.
1: I'm saying that me- wh- isn't the metaphor of the elevator though, that like actually I'm not entirely sure what your metaphor is.
0: The point I'm of it, No no, no the point stop. of oh, the point of the escalator was when you choose when you choose your direction, you're choosing to go up the escalator going down the escalator you're making that choice so you have to accept what comes with that choice which is go. you're going up now and you're going down but that's just the, the metaphor like for example in life it would be where if you do this you might have to sacrifice that
1: well that's exactly what i just said
0: <laughs> yeah exactly but yeah it was just clear yeah
1: Yeah, sometimes to get to the things that you really want to do, you have to sacrifice some of the things you might have loved before. Like, you know, like being able to cook and create everything from scratch when you're, like, busy making, like... Art or working on a project, or working in whatever, doing whatever the thing that you're doing that you're, you know, shifting to. Like you don't necessarily have time to do the things that you did before. It doesn't mean you can't ever do them again. It just means that you can't rely on them as heavily as you used to before, or you can't. You don't have as much time to do them as you used to have before.
0: I'm curious. What is that picture that's right above you? It has a face, and it oh, looks I've, a few years ago. What is that?
1: It's a painting that I did a few years ago. Um, It was, uh, so it was, I did it intentionally. Um, So I did it for, um, I did it for a short film and um, the short film with this German director, I don't think it's ever come out. So I can't talk about it too much, but I did it with the intention of what uh like kind of getting into the character's mind and like painting it as the character would have felt so the character is a painter so it was just my paintings um but that was a piece that i made in sort of thinking from the mind of the character that she looks like to-
0: she's in a galaxy
1: um no not exactly it was more just about like
0: well i'm seeing a galaxy i'm seeing like a different like dimension with the the colors <clears throat> the direction it
1: wasn't i mean it wasn't literal it was more meant to represent like the yeah, like isolation like isolation and otherness uh in living in like the character lived in a culture that didn't really like she she had this like beautiful rich history and like background and was from like a like um like a indigenous like, like the character, this is the character that was being created. She was like from, she was, she was just from a different culture and she was the only person in the town that was like from that culture. And it was about the otherness that she felt um with her history of like what, like her heritage, but then also like her like political activism and like her family's history. And so I, so she was like seen as like this other. Um And then ultimately like the, these kids make friends with her. And so that was like, it's not. It's okay. I can't tell you a lot, but it was, it was this cute. It was a cool independent, school uh, independent short film. What, why
0: haven't they released it?
1: I mean, it takes nine million years to release certain things, especially independent things. Sometimes it's harder there's probably a bunch of reasons they probably still need to shoot something. We shot a lot of it during quarantine, like with a very small limited cast. So trying to get, you know, but it's also, it was the director's passion project. So, you know, it's hard to keep funding that stuff. Sometimes when you're like writing, directing, you know, writing, directing, editing the thing yourself, like my friend and I, I shot uh, two music videos for my friend's band in Nashville last year. And like we had, then then we had a second uh, camera person as well, but like, it took a year for those things to come out because like it's just how it works. I work on a lot of main or like more, I wouldn't say, I work on a lot more mainstream things that don't come out for like months to a year or two. And some things just never come out. Sometimes there's like a violation of uh, something. Someone's mad at someone else or someone's like, Oh, we don't like how this person's represented in this thing. Or like there's just a dispute between a producer and a director or whatever and shit just never comes up. <laughs>
0: That sounds that sounds awful.
1: It's just the film industry. I mean, it's just par par for the course. But yeah, that piece was meant to kind of just represent like the the isolation, but also like the sort of peace within that. And like, so it's not meant to literally be a person in the space. It's more of like um, an expression of like what the person's feeling.
0: Mm. I guess we all. I guess we all see different things through our different eyes. Um, anyway, Eli, this is uh, this has been really cool. Any um, anything you want to le- leave off? Uh, blah blah blah. Anything you want to leave off with?
1: Um, follow your truth, even if the world thinks you're crazy. Unless you're a serial killer.
0: Okay, Uh, that was our peace of mind for the day. Anyway, uh, we'll see you in the next one. Bye, everybody.